There is no phone ringing, damn it! What the hell are you talking about? You know what the hell she's talking about? Now, what in hell am I going to tell this boy Shaver's parents? That a substitute nurse assassinated him because she couldn't tell the doctors from the patients on the floor? My God! Okay. You let a woman beat ya. You little tiny nothing. Why did you move closer to me? Closer to Don't, you. Bob. Uh-uh. His name was Jeremiah Johnson. Norma Ray has been working since she was 16. And Jeff Goldblum is the psycho freak who's everywhere the action is. That's outrageous! You try one more goddamn stunt and I'll light up the fucking sky! I'd rather die running than be left here alone. Okay, but remember, serpentine! Absolutely. What a guy. You can fuck the lilies and the roses too. A decade under the influence. No rules, no limits. No wonder these filmmakers changed our world. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Decade Under the Influence. Good take afternoon. Three. <laughs> this, is, this is take one. You know, a lot of podcasts will be like, we're going to edit that. And it's just funny. Anytime you hear that, you know that they didn't edit it. Mm-hmm. They made the decision to not edit it. But um, we did some editing. Uh, we have seven movies for you today. Um, I have been very... Uh, slow with getting things up on social media i'm going to try to do better on that but uh we're recording this now at uh christmas time we just had our holiday christmas party uh last night for my work i work at a bar at a karaoke bar and it was very nice and good fun yeah it was good it was good fun we were excellent by the way you know uh we again you did sing some songs uh Representing seasonal depression <laughs> for me, I got to pick your song, and I got to pick Jacqueline's song. That was also oh really a very depressing Smith song to represent people that uh, get sad during this time of year. And uh, if it's happening to you, uh, please reach out to somebody, and uh, perhaps uh, these reviews will help. We are starting—I <laughs> doubt it. We are starting with uh, Kelly's Heroes, nineteen seventy, and Victory is going to give us an amazing recap. <laughs> Teach you right up. <laughs> Take three. Okay. Um, all right. So, Callie's Heroes is a star studded action comedy based on a true story uh, set in World War II. Uh, Clint Eastwood, Don Rickles, Telly Savalas, and Donald Sutherland play a group of burned-out middle-aged soldiers looking to make a fortune pulling off a bank heist 30 miles behind enemy lines. Carol O'Connor plays a pampered general fantasizing about the front in competition with an enemy general. And director Brian Hutton and writer Troy Kennedy Martin poke fun at the sketchier elements of American involvement in World War II and the incompetent disconnect of leadership from the front lines. However, many reviewers at the time uh, were not ready for their sardonic treatment of World War II. <laughs> I love the name Telly. Ugh. I thought you had more to go because I was like waiting on this burp. And <laughs> I want to tell you that that was amazing and thank you for doing that twice for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, this isn't our first Nazi gold movie. Which was this is our second second movie with Nazi, Nazi gold, gold and, and Donald, Donald Sutherland. Sutherland. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I was saying during this that I, I thought that Donald Sutherland was playing his grandpa. I think he's going to steal a U-boat here pretty soon and head up. Uh... <laughs> uh, I moved this up on the list because I have been watching a lot of World War II movies, and I don't necessarily know what started that. Except that I think I was in a bad place, and I and I knew that for some reason the band of brothers would cheer me up. Uh, Ashes and I were talking the other day about uh, the Eagle's Nest, which was a big part with uh, Easy Company overtaking the Eagle's Nest and helping to end the Second World War, and that it's still there, and that people go there. And then when I read about it, I was just like, why would they go there? You know, why not just tear the fucker down? But yep. then it said no self-guided tours because all these national socialist groups want to go there and give their own tours. And this is where our glorious yeah. leader hit. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just like, that's going to be your problem. Tear it down. Yeah. I talked to my mother about it. My mom's like, yeah, they should fucking tear that down. That's dumb. When I was telling yeah. you on the phone that, that fucking, what's his, Madison Cawthorn, I think his fucking name is or something like that. Some, he's a dipshit representative from, I believe, Florida. Um he got married there. Who the fuck? I, they host weddings? What? Ooh. Also? Or maybe they went there for their, their honeymoon. One of the yeah, two. there was something weird about it. And I'm, I'm sorry I didn't look it up. I didn't think I would go into this. But just for fun. It was just spice. So fucking but weird. But it's like a bed and breakfast now or something. There's something <laughs> in it that, that is weird. Yeah. <laughs> and they're kind of like, it was just very bizarre to me. Now, you were saying earlier that this was a very bad year for Donald Sutherland. Yeah. It <laughs> was a rough one. That's an understatement, though. Wowee. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I was saying uh, during the filming, he, it, so it was shot on location in Yugoslavia um, because they they have they were still using World War Two era equipment for their military at that point. Oh, so whoa. they had all the stuff like still functioning. Um. And so that's why they chose there. Um, and then uh, he got like seriously sick from something. It, I couldn't find what, but um, he almost died. Like he was so sick. And he, like they had called his wife telling her to come because he was so sick and that he might actually die before she fucking got wild. there. Fucking wild. <laughs> so, like, uh, luckily, yeah. he survived and finished the film and all that. Um, but then also, his wife gets arrested <laughs> for um, using a personal check to try and buy <laughs> grenades and arms for the, for the Black Panther Party. <laughs> it's such a good note. I love that so much. <laughs> and then, like in his telling, he was saying that um, that Clint Eastwood was the one who told him, and he started laughing so hard about the personal check part that he literally fell down and was like rolling on the floor laughing. And Donald <laughs> Sutherland had to pull him up <laughs> off the ground. I mean, <laughs> we've made it through pretty much every Donald Sutherland film of the 70s. And he's definitely one of my favorite actors. But um, his accent in this movie is uh, very difficult for me. I was reading reviews of it. And 
of the few reviews I'm, I read, uh, his bad accent was mentioned twice. <laughs> They're just like, what? And it's just funny to think about a conscious choice. And we talked about, um, as we were watching this, uh, it reminded me of The Ritz, oh, which yeah. is Treat Williams. And he has this ridiculous accent. And I was like, you're going to have to do that the whole time. <laughs> and it's for this, it was, um, you know. I mean, his... His at shitty least... Jersey, is that what you're saying? Yeah, shitty it's Jersey. To be a Jersey. Yeah, it's like supposed to be some sort of like ambiguous northeast accent, but like, but like the emblems exact. and stuff like that they're wearing on their uniforms indicate that they're from the Midwest and like you know other areas of the country. So like, it didn't even make sense as an acting choice. Oh, it made. <laughs> a, you don't do know that. his his, uh, his his journey to. a creating a character he had just moved from new jersey yeah. to uh iowa and um that was <laughs> oh was... also uh I, w- I wasn't quite done with the list of terrible mm. things that happened that year he also got divorced that year was it because of that was she was she in jail during I that i don't know i don't know but you're getting close she to... was arrested in yugoslavia during the the filming Wow. I mean, people were happened. starting to re-examine relationships a little bit at that point. Because I know he did Fuck the Army with Jane Fonda and then Clute, and he was dating Jane Fonda at the time, so maybe there was some overlap. I don't know. Mm. It's it's interesting stuff. Uh, and, like, he's, like, the super tank guy, and he's supposed to be weird. I can't remember his name, but even his name was kind of Oddball. interesting. Oddball. Oddball, yeah. But his, his right hand who I my memory of it is like a more oddball who is kind of possibly playing gay which is interesting because that's what he did on um, Mary Tyler Moore which is Gavin McLeod who was famously um, Captain Steubing on uh, The Love Boat <laughs> he plays this character for like nine years on um, Mary Tyler Moore and he always seemed to play it very very gay but he still had a, a wife and kids in the character, so it was interesting. Mm-hmm. And here, he kind of had that act. Maybe that's just his accent. Right. Mm-mm. But it seems like he was playing it a little bit over the top. Or that, like, he's like, I need to I make mean, sure do you that remember there's... his character in Kelly's Heroes? Uh, Gavin McLeod? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there were two, the mechanic, two tank right? people. Yeah. Yeah. I... <laughs> the whole premise of this is is interesting, and everyone famous is in it at the time, but... It didn't, doesn't. It's not going to rise to the top as one of my favorite movies. You know, mm-hmm. I should have done the math to figure out with inflation what sixteen million dollars is because I bet it's a shit ton of money. I bet. You know, like I said, I was watching World War Two movies, and then Larry was always up my ass about how this is his favorite World War Two movie. Wait, this is his favorite World War Two. This is War II Larry's movie? favorite World War Two movie. Why? He was telling yeah, me the, his his first time he did acid story last night. I don't know if he wants me to share this, but I'm sharing it. But it's funny because this is in Portland. They drop acid. They're like 16, 17-year-old kids, and they go to the library. And I was like, I could see you two in story time, and that's funny. And it was like, no. I guess there was a friend that worked there, was there. It was like, you two need to get out of here because you're going to be tripping soon. <laughs> and I was like, the library seems like a fun place to go. It does seem like a fun place Although, to go. Although, if something bad happens, you're trapped at the library. Yeah. Yeah, but they got bathrooms. It's warm. Lots of reading material. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, but I think you did. You did the first time that Carol O'Connor is in this. Yeah. And yeah. I love Carol O'Connor, but he's barely in this. 
<laughs> yeah, he's such a fucking asshole in this. He's great, though. I liked yeah, his thing about when we're watching it, you know, trying to put it together and using your friends for help. And I was just like, so he doesn't get what they're doing at all. And he's praising them and wants to give them medals, but he doesn't know that they're just doing it to steal, steal Nazi gold because <laughs> they go behind enemy lines. You know, yeah, he thinks they're advancing. It's yeah, all exactly. in service to his ego. Yeah, they're not it's advancing. A perfect critique. <laughs> And it's neat. It's like not a super obvious anti-war movie, but maybe the bar was so low for allowing anti-war movies. Yeah. At the time, it comes off as anti-war, like Patton. Yeah, definitely. I see Patton as super pro-war, but a lot of people were like, that was an anti-war movie at the time. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely the reviewers uh, picked up on <laughs> well, I liked the critique, they... and they were like, whoa, this is... Not appropriate. Too soon. Yeah. Great. <laughs> there was an attitude, you know, of between the lines or whatever, of like, fuck the war. We just, you know, because anybody they asked to get in on it, they're like, we're going to cut you in for the piece. We're like, yeah, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. Where am I going to find a hundred guys? Yeah. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny uh, talking about it. As, as so often happens, I'm like remembering it and kind of liking it more. I mean, I, I liked and it. And it's but a true story. Favorite. Yeah. I believe it. What? I said I liked it, but favorite. No. Yeah. I mean, it, that's that's just surprising. A lot of people me. don't watch as many movies as we watch, and so when people give their favorite movie, it's kind of like, eh, how many movies do you watch? Aaron's favorite movie is The Thing, but she doesn't watch a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Aaron is someone I work with, a bartender. And so it's like, I get that. It's a good movie, but I bet as you watch more movies, you're going to have different favorites. New shit's going to come to light. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'll show you a better movie, and then maybe that'll be your <laughs> favorite. So with the casting, one of the things that I, I noticed at first that I thought was odd was like, I was like, wait a minute, isn't Clint Eastwood a little old to be playing a soldier? <laughs> all of them, Don Rickles. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I was like looking up their ages, and they're all like, you know, in their like early to mid forties and whatnot. And then yeah, Donald would have been the youngest, right? Yeah, I think so. And then, um, but then I looked up like what the the draft ages were, mm. and. Uh, during World War II, they were they were drafting anyone eighteen to forty five. Wow, that's interesting. Because like, again, I've been watching. Like, I can't imagine at my age yeah. being drafted seriously for the fucking war. That is crazy to me. Yeah, totally. Just like that is uh, old. I guess I mean, I'm gonna go fight in a war, my old stiff yeah. ass body. <laughs> <laughs> Can someone help me up the hill? <laughs> it's a funny thing, because as, like, you know, activists and, like, punks, it's like we're usually like, you know, fuck the army, fuck the armed forces for good reasons. But for some reason, World War II, for me, because you're fighting Nazis, right? Yeah. there's always something that's like, well, you, you know, to the mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the European theater, like, yeah, it's arguable. I mean, I don't think that the U.S. went into it for the right reasons no. there were people like, there a lot that were of like people that. did sign up to yeah. fight it for the right reasons they so. knew about the anti you know jewish propaganda and the master race they didn't know about you know Auschwitz and what was going on there but in all of these movies there's always a few people that are like you know have 
the the star of David and are fighting and being like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish. Yeah, there's a lot of like explicitly anti-fascist people who signed up mm-hmm. for that reason. Yeah. So that is interesting. Yeah. Anything else on this movie? Because we didn't talk too much about that, but it's kind of a basic plot. They go and steal Nazi gold, but yeah, yeah. it's a heist film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In a really specific place in time, right? Who the hell was Telly Savalas? Who did he play? Was he, uh, was he uh, a lieutenant or was he a sergeant? I can't remember. Um, you know, um, so I always uh, was he top brass? Or was... No, he was. So I just can't remember. Who was Telly? Who was Telly? <laughs> and Don Rickles was he a cook? <laughs> no, he was a. a, a he was the, the Sergeant Big guy. Joe. Yeah. That's that's who Telly Savalas was? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Oh. So he was like the main See, guy. Remember it guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like the, the main guy who actually ran their, their company. Yeah. That's right. But then who had the idea? Clint. Clint Eastwood. Okay. Yeah. Don Rickles, no, no. they got on board. Clint. Clint. We're on first name basis. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your, your friend Clint. And then they go to <laughs> Mr. Crap, Eastwood to me. Crap Game, which is Don Rickles. Yeah. And then. And Crap game. Donald Sutherland was like having sex with somebody above them. <laughs> Someone too <laughs> young. I mean, yeah. we don't know. Some people I, uh, young, my uh, eyes know. Yeah, I, don't know. yeah, I mean, it's obvious he's too young for her. It's for just him. He's like an older ass man with someone yeah. who's like clearly in their early twenties. I just don't know. And lots of times they were they weren't casting for that. Sometimes they were, and that's wrong. No, no. It's just working at a bar. Last night there were these people. And like this guy, got, there were three Dominics last night. And it's funny. And I called up a second Dominic, and the third Dominic was like, "It's me." And I was like, "It's not your song. It's the other person's song." And he brings all of his like college frat buddies, uh, and they all start moshing to this guy's song with like the greatest of enthusiasm. <laughs> and I go over to my friend, and I'm just like, "This is fucking weird. What is happening right now?" <laughs> and then he goes, or actually, they go. Um, you know, why did Larry let in a bunch of 15-year-olds? They all looked like they were fucking 15. <laughs> and some of them were 21, and a lot of them were in their mid-20s. But most of them looked and acted 15. <laughs> First time in a bar. And so I said all that to say, you don't always know. And I kind of want to just continue with the movie sometimes. No, so that, that's fine. No, I'm just saying. So sometimes in general, I'll just be like, okay, I'm going to give this the best case scenario and let's move on. <laughs> Other times we have to stop the... The, the horse, the movie horse, and, you know, discuss it because it's, it's, just weird it's furthering something It's a total throwaway scene. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. He's not saying, like, they do in some movies, like, yeah, I like young girls or something gross like that. He's not saying that. Mm. So it's just like, let's, you know, move I on. I know, but you could Apparently cast there was... Um, you could. Apparently you could. there was a lot of deleted scenes that had, like, just naked girl scenes and stuff. Really? And, like scenes with them like having sex with women or whatever and uh, <laughs> like this already two and a half hour film was originally like over three hours and like I do um, remember that. you know there's like only you know one main plot thing going on so like <laughs> the editors were like uh sorry dudes like this is this needs to be a way, way shorter film. <laughs> yeah. Well, Speak, thanks for letting me hump someone for three this. in three different scenes so that it could get cut. <laughs> I liked a lot of his tank stuff and his explosions and yeah, it, you know, 
I would definitely watch this again, so I would give it a recommend. And I think uh, I didn't rate it. I don't think I'd give it an eight, but I'd give it more than a seven. I'd give since it... IMDb, I would probably give it an eight because really, yeah, because sevens mean like when you look back at it, you're like, oh, it's a little more than seven. And you know, maybe once I view it a few more times, it could go either way. It could be like that eight is solid, or I'm going to a seven. Yeah, I give this a six, mm-hmm. not because I think it's a bad movie. I like it, but it's like. It's a heist movie. Um, I guess knowing that it's also came in as critical to the, to the war. Yeah, it's pivotal, I think, for I think that's a, war movies. I, I'd be, I could be talked into moving it up just for that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it... it, it and the backstory, the personal check, Black Panther it's... Party Grenades. I mean, it gets a nine now. <laughs> I don't know that it's anti-war. I think it's more just like I think it critical of, of the, machine. the conditions. Yeah. And saying like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Victory? Uh, I, I give it a thumbs up. Nice. In our 70s movie podcast, I was thinking just how a lot of times it's like, whether we give it thumbs up, good ratings or not, there's always that like, if you want to watch this movie, there's a little bit of like, see me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, you need to talk to me for a second because there are some things in there that... <laughs> and I, this movie was just a straightforward thumbs up for me, but um, we should move on because we have six more to do. Yep. Uh, Koch, 1971. And it's me. Are you all ready for me? We're all ready for this. <laughs> Thanks. Now I've got <laughs> that cheerleader movie in my head. Not just the song, but the whole plot of the movie is going right now. Um, oh, shit. I wanted to show you all the trailer, but we can watch it after when we're not recording. And so this doesn't apply to you. But the trailer for this movie, um, I wanted to start watching trailers because lots of times we'll review these a few weeks after we watch it. And my memory is just fog. Yeah. I might remember one thing. Like for Kelly's Heroes, it was just bad accent. <laughs> and a war movie, bad accent. Um, so, yeah, the trailer for this is really great. And I want to show it to you. This is directed by Jack Lemon. And starring Walter Matthau. Sexy, uh, sexy This Matthau. still somewhat counts as a bit of a reunion of the two stars of the mega 1968 hit, The Odd Couple. Because that was just huge, and this brings them together, even though one's behind the camera, one's in front. Hmm. Koch was written by novelist Catherine Topkins. This is her only novel to be put on film. Screenplay is by John Paxton, who was very busy in the 50s and 60s writing screenplays. Um, this and a made-for-TV movie I will try to find called The Great Man's Whiskers are his only 70s offerings. Hmm. I'm going to take a breath. <sighs> the caffeine's hitting. I'm like, whoa, I'm riding a caffeine roller coaster. <laughs> Koch also stars Felicia Farr, who was Lemon's wife, F-A-R-R, uh, like Jamie Farr on MASH. Hmm. Uh, Felicia Farr, who was Jack Lemon's wife, uh, as Koch's daughter-in-law, Wilma. We'll see her again, and Mathau, in Charlie Varick, which we were talking about. And that made me, I wrote a question mark. Did we already review Charlie Varick, or you and I just watched it? Just you and I watched it. All right. Uh, Charles Aidman plays Gerald, Koch's uh, son. We saw him in Twilight's Last Gleaming. And Deborah Winters plays Erica, the babysitter. We saw her in Blue Sunshine. She was the main bad (laughs) acid person. Did she get stuffed into the into the fireplace? 
don't know, but she had a bad bald wig, as they all did. Um, okay, here goes. Koch is old, but not old enough for a nursing home. He still has his wits about him. But really, his daughter-in-law doesn't give a fuck. Uh... And movie for oh, and the movie for me kind of parallels how mean everyone is to Shelley Duvall in Three Women. <laughs> like, wow, they are mean to Koch, who can be annoying but should not be put away. He bests the freaky Rorschach test lady and gets the f out of there. God, his son should get a backbone. And old folks' homes, in quotation marks, old folks' homes and people mostly in the United States, treated and still treat the elderly like shite. Meanwhile, I think Erica gets pregnant, and I think Wilma sucks again and fires her. You guys can correct me on all this. Koch goes on a road trip-ish and comes back to more suck. Wilma fills his room with sewing supplies. Koch gets his own place and helps out Erica. The two make good chums, and I think the movie ends on Koch... Um, still has, oh, that, that Koch still has value and all of you can fuck off. Discuss. Yeah, this is, this was a fun movie. I liked it. Yeah. Um, he's, he's such a funny character in this where like, he's obviously very intelligent. Um, he's really well read. Um, mm -hmm. although he was like a door to door salesman or some shit like that yeah. in his life, but he, he, he definitely like, seemed like he yeah. absorbed all those pieces to be really good at that job. Yeah. He's interested in things. He's intelligent. Mm -hmm. we, our commentary, you know, cause we didn't showcase this one. So you missed out on all our commentary. You did. We just, cause he does these annoying rants and it's like, <laughs> Victory, you were kind of saying like, I can't remember what you were saying, but it's something, my memory. Of I didn't it is, find it annoying. I just, I was more annoyed that the family especially Wilma was like mm -hmm. Wilma and Jen so annoyed by it it just ugh, just like I mean it was it's brilliant because it makes you hate them because they're just like god you guys are dumb sure but I mean I was trying <laughs> to get so the dumb. essence of his rants there was something where he doesn't put it together I mean, or he it's, doesn't it's all context no fucking okay. form yeah, all context yeah, yeah. no form <laughs> and so he'll talk he'll give you everything around the thing he's trying to tell you but not tell you the thing because like there's the yeah, scenes where it takes where... a while for him to get to the point because he's a, a high context thing, which is consistent with um, like most professors and like people who are in academia are usually universal thinkers, high context yeah. communicators. Which is really funny. Like like he gets called to task because like the mo those moms are like freaked out that he's a like a, a park pedo or something like that. And you know, he picked this, the little crying little girl out of the pool because she was just sitting there crying and like other kids are pointing at her. No one's doing anything. So he comes up and he's like, are you okay? And gets her out and gives her, you know, give her some encouragement and then, you know, turns her around like, okay, go off. And then gives her a pat on the butt, which he shouldn't have done. But they come to like talk to him about that. Yeah, his explanation of it was brilliant. It was, but it was also bizarre because like he almost never gets there to tell them like, oh, it's just a little pat on the butt. It wasn't a big deal. But he's like, let me tell you about the institution of football and and motivational <laughs> management. And you're like, what? <laughs> and this sign is grammatically incorrect. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, a little bit of, you know, you're right, you shouldn't do that. But it was kind of like, 
it wasn't a sexual thing. This is, you know, how we, we've adjusted doing things now. And again, I'm not as old as Koch, but I mean, I do remember that people did that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, especially the the kids. It's just funny because I also had a conversation with uh, my boss, um, uh, David Chow, who's from Cambodia, and um, he was talking about the same thing, about how you wouldn't pat someone on the butt or spank them in a sexual way. It was because, like, that's where you poop or something. It was just supposed to be... (laughs) I can't... He would explain it better, but he was just talking how when he that was a cultural difference that people see this as this like sexual thing and people would do it as a friendly thing mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. ha you know pat you on the butt and mm-hmm. it never meant anything sexual i think i'm explaining it okay i'm i'm hope i'm doing you justice david <laughs> but culturally different and so that was interesting yeah uh i was going to say i really liked um their uh relationship um erica's relationship with Koch. yeah I really liked it, and I didn't think it was sexual or weird or anything, except at one right, point right. she says a dumb comment. Yeah. She was like, you know, you touch me like a man or something, or I thought I wanted to be touched. It was just one weird line. And I was like, that's weird, but it almost makes a little bit of sense because she's the young one, mm-hmm. so she had a dumb, conflicting thought for a second. Well, and, she's and young. it makes a lot of sense that she would, right, because he's – but he's not thinking sexual at all. And I like no. how right. he just he's wants think, to help her he's out. He's treating and... her like a daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was neat. Yeah. And he's super nice about it. And I, I liked his little road trip of like, oh, you're going to put me in an old folks home? Maybe I'll just fuck off around the country for a little yeah. while and see things and do things. Well, and like, you know, to, to get into an old folks would you <laughs> have to take a Rorschach test? I mean, my God. Yeah, really I guess they want to see weird. where you're at, but he wasn't having dementia or anything. He's... Yeah, right. I think that's what they were testing him for. Is like, okay, just seeing if if he was able to be forcibly committed. It they... was just a well written scene. I really liked that Rorschach scene. Yeah, they also made her seem the the therapist or analyst just fucking terrible. Yeah. She's just like, just... Yeah. It's like, did you watch TV to get your degree? <laughs> Seriously. She's just as cold as a person could possibly be. Everything she that he says, she, she's like immediately dismissive of and just like, ugh, ugh, just the whole time. I like that uh, this movie deals with ageism. I was just, I wrote here, you know, good shit, however Harry and Tonto did it better. Yeah. But I was like, <laughs> both movies have value and I yeah. wouldn't, I would not want to separate them or combine them. I'm just like, we can watch Koch. Um, but I believe Harry and Tonto did it better. And Harry and Tonto, um, Harry Combs was a teacher. Mm-hmm. It almost seems like they should have made Koch a teacher. Traveling salesman, I don't get. Yeah, but... that didn't make sense. It made sense to me just because, like, he was a really intelligent guy. He was looking for a way to, like, you know, Usually do they're... well and make money, and I think he did well and made made a bunch of money. But, okay, but his craft was not selling things, right? Like it, it didn't really matter, like what he was selling. He wasn't really behind whatever. He was behind having relationships with people, and he did that um, by learning a lot of things and having conversation for every occasion. 
That makes sense. It was just it just reminded me. Apparently, um, my memory and you know um, life experience of seeing. And I didn't. We never had any come to the door. It was just from sitcoms and stuff and movies. They're usually seen as like bumbling and unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Even in Wanda and June, I think one of them he was a traveling vacuum salesman, and he was seen as like you know whatever yeah. mm-hmm. a dud. Uh, do you, if anybody, you know, let's get some last thoughts so we can move on and get through this. Do you have any last thoughts before we rate? Uh, I like, I, I don't know why they chose to make the motorcycles happening while, uh, while she was having the baby, but I liked it as a choice. It was funny and it was I have no memory of that. You don't? That's funny. <laughs> yeah. They get to that, that mechanic shop and she's oh, like, yes, crowning. Oh fuck. I forgot he delivered a baby like in a gas station bathroom or some yeah. shit. Yeah. Right? whoa <laughs> and there's three dudes outside like working oh, on motorcycles right. forever and like running in circles and like spinning out <laughs> yeah that was good for funny and good for like film it was like maybe they didn't intend and that's even funnier yeah and didn't the sound not match or something they just kept doing this one thing that made a lot of noise yeah they're just revving the engines over and over for inexplicable reasons <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's my final thought on the on the film. Okay, I gave this a seven point eight. Yeah, I I go seven. Yeah, I give it a thumbs up. All right, we're ready to move on to your favorite movie, Pete and Tilly. Hey, <laughs> uh, Pete and Tilly, nineteen seventy two. It's me. This is interesting, and I'll get to it. This is like a director we've been going through. Um, Pete, uh, Martin Ritt. I should have. Cross that, sorry. Taking precious podcast time to uh, underline the name Martin Ritt. <laughs> He's a director. We've been going through his movies, and I'll get to it, but um, this is not my favorite uh, Martin Ritt movie. Pete and Tilly, 1972. Walter Matthau is apparently a pistol. And that's what she says. And mm-hmm. Carol, Carol Burnett, has spicy, witty Carol Burnett comebacks, but it still seems odd that her heart wants asshat. And the... <laughs> They apparently fall in love and have a lovely child. Tragedy happens, and in the aftermatch, aftermatch, (laughs) Morty Love, in the aftermath, (laughs) which I simply can't even imagine, Tilly um, can't handle Pete using humor to mask his feelings. He has done this the whole time. She and their son brought out the best in him, but he never got his shit together, and he cheated and sucks. She leaves him and moves on to her amazing variety show. <laughs> uh, Carol Burnett is amazing, and her outfits in this are amazing, and it was neat to see her in this. But uh, this film was directed by Martin Ritt. We've slowly gone through his films. The Great White Hope, 1970. Sounder, 1972. Conrack, 74. And Norma Ray, 79. All great films. All great. Maybe we'll someday do The Front, 1976, which was my favorite of his films. But unfortunately, he hired Woody Allen as his lead in this movie about the blacklist that has Zero Mostel, who was actually um, a former blacklisted actor. Hmm. Pete and Tilly discuss. Ugh, this... His character is just so horribly unlikable. I just, it, they do not sell it. Like, it's impossible that she could fall in love with this guy. I mean, nobody could fall in love with that guy. I disagree with everything you're saying. No, I don't. 
But I, I mean, he's like, he's emotionally unavailable, like 100%, like a fucking, like to a cartoon fucking character level of emotionally unavailable. We have him, we see and him as like, a good dad, I think. Kind I think of. We're, I think, I, I feel mean, like the film is trying to show that she's trying to bring out, or she brings out the best, or she sees something in him, and he does use humor to mask his feelings. Yeah, but I, mean, I also agree at, with you. He's, he's still he's good at entertaining the child. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not he's not emotionally available for anybody. Yeah, he can't be. Or he, yeah, because I'm like, just, why don't why not get your shit together? You have Carol Burnett mm-hmm. as your it's wife. Like the one you know? thing <laughs> that he can do is he can entertain people, mm. and then he can only do that so well because he's so judgmental that he ends up just offending people all the time. But yet. We're somehow supposed to believe that this character is charming to women in any kind of way. I don't it's know. Preposterous. I mean, I think we're supposed to believe <laughs> that she sees something, and that is a quote. And apparently, all where she like says he's other, a pistol. These mm-hmm. women at fucking parties and stuff, right. and uh, I mean, Carol Burnett doesn't say that he's a pistol. Yeah, she the, does. That's a quote. The um, I the, just watched the, lady the trailer. That she's. The the lady that he's cheating on her with says that to her, and and then she repeats it later. Yeah, like kind of jokingly, like referring. Apparently, he's a pistol. <laughs> like, but uh, but the, the woman asks why she loves him. You know why she puts up with it, and she goes because he's a pistol. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, this movie was largely forgettable. And and did things. I, I I was trying to figure out why is movie, and I well, guess she leaves him, and I, that's neat. And she moves on to make those great yeah, two movies that we saw, the made for TV movies. <laughs> and I think it's written sharply, even yeah, it, though it's not it's not a bad screen. I don't think it does not... a good job explaining why she would fall in love with him. And also, when I thought of it to show you two, it was just like, oh, I thought of the tragedy. And how a couple deals with the tragedy, but there's so much of Matthew being an asshat mm-hmm. that yeah. it's, it's we like we need as viewers. Have, I think what what bugs me is that they didn't have anything to lose hmm. except for this child. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So they don't sell us on like you know yeah. that this was at one time a romance or you know at all a desirable relationship. And, I think and so then when it's over, be... it's like, oh, Jesus, finally. <laughs> the fuck was she thinking? I don't know. <laughs> Which is great in this. Was she supposed to be, like, too old or something like that? Like, uh, like people were, were worried that she was going to be... I think that was according to her friend, right? It was yeah. like, get out there. Maybe she had been in a bad relationship. She seemed asexual in this film. Yeah. Yeah. And his like just not interested in it, and so and again maybe that's in there, and they want, they didn't have the tools to articulate that to us, right? Which whoever, also made right. it seem more like from from that perspective, I was like, oh okay, she's okay with him cheating because she has no desire for anything like that, and and she doesn't want to do that with him, and is excited that like she doesn't have to, um, but well, she's... there's no intimacy whatsoever no. in the relationship at all. I like, believe I saw no, a little bit, but not enough. No. No vulnerability, no, no person like deep personal connection, like you would see in a 
in an actual relationship. No, and all of their like this interactions like a business are so mechanical. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's it's a drama. You know, I like it because I don't think it's it's you know like when we watched Saturday Night Fever and they were like saying, oh, he's this amazing disco person and is promoting this as this wonderful thing, even though he's horrible and his friends are horrible. I think it's just. You know, because I rated this a 7.2. I like it. Mm. And again, I like movies more watching them with you two. And, I, and I'm also watching it a second time. So I liked it more the second time. I understand why, because I feel like both of you didn't like it as much as me. <laughs> I think and right. I understand that. But I'm just like, it's just, it's showing you something and it's part of a process it's an early 70s movie and it's an early movie by the director, even though Sounder was before this. And certainly, um, the uh, the 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 Great White Hope was way before this. Yeah, every Great movie White that, Hope was that way you bigger. that you mentioned was a far superior movie. Yeah, this. yeah, Sounder yeah. was amazing. I think I I will say on the positives that this movie had going for it is that Carol Burnett is fucking amazing in it. Yeah, and like her journey, like seeing her emotional journey through navigating all of this horrible shit. Yeah. Is really interesting. And, um, yeah, and, like, you know, seeing her just getting fed up and fed up and fed up and fed up. Um, and, like, you know, dealing with, you know, losing her child. Yeah. And, like... Not a lot of movies um, talked about that. Mm-mm. Yeah, and, you know, like, screaming at God and stuff like, like that. Yeah. Like, you're right. That should absolutely be sampled on punk records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I like that. I mean, you know, with wanting to do a 70s podcast, I get why I rated this higher yeah. than y'all. But, but so, uh, what's your rating? Six. Six? Yeah. Are you saying thumbs down? <laughs> or just see me? <laughs> Because people who want to watch a lot of movies and love Carol Burnett, I think they wouldn't do themselves a disservice no, she's to good see this. It. Yeah, I actually yeah, don't... I think if you like Carol Burnett, it's it's like kind of a thumbs up. But if if you're not wild about Carol Burnett, don't do. There's like other things you could do with your. Day. Or if you're a super <laughs> Walter Matthau fan, you might want to skip this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for real. Yeah, you'll lose respect for him. As I don't think so, though. Not as an actor. I mean. Not as an actor, he, no. He does the job well. He does. I mean, I don't actually think anyone in this movie does a bad job. I just his his part character is, is terrible. So poorly written. Yeah. Or it's well written and he's just shitty. It's just you can't. It's just not like someone like him in real life would not be successful. Like, Isn't he an ad man too, or something? He would. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. He would not be married. He would not be able to do any well, of Well, they didn't things. show us. That's where I think it was not poorly written, but not poorly executed, where they didn't do their job unless their job was to show us that, like, I don't know, who knows why this happened. But I'm assuming they didn't do their job to show us why she loved him. Right. And maybe there's stuff in there that we miss, but I don't yeah. think so. I mean, I think that's poor writing. The whole right? thing, the whole, the whole <laughs> yeah, reason for that that I got was that... God. Unless ah, something else ah. is going on, what... What? He's just moving cords and it's doing shit. But it, and I just have the headphones on, so it's loud in my ear. That's it. Okay. Uh, but I just thought she was supposed to be like an old maid, and it was like, Ugh. oh, you're like 32, and like you better mm-hmm. find anybody. 
And, yeah. And this like piece of shit is like still single because of course he is. Yeah. <laughs> so attacking those kind of social norms is in that because that reminded me of the tenth month. Watch that whole movie, and then I'm like, oh, that's what the tenth month is. Because <laughs> it's this weird thing that we don't do now. Like you watch those old movies, and those people have to go to like some some home for their divorce. Right. These women had to go to this building. And I was just like, I had to call my mom, and she's like, oh, that's what happened, and <laughs> they don't do that now. And it looks very weird. It's just it's stuff that we need to get past, and hopefully movies like this helped, but uh, maybe not this particular movie. I'm ready to move on uh, to you, Ashes. Oh. Um, oh, no, 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 I think it's Victory, because I wrote a little thing where I did them backwards. Four would be Flame, and then five would be The Lost Honor of Catherine, or Katerina, whatever. Katerina La but, uh, yeah, let's go to 1975's uh, Flame. Oh, because F before L. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right. Flame! Uh, Flame is a 1975 film written by Andrew Birkin and directed by Richard Loncrane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name's Lemon Jello. I'm Loncrane. Um, <laughs> nice to meet you to make a movie for the band Slade. Uh, Slade was looking for something new to keep their career interesting. Uh, rather than go with their happy-go-lucky image, they chose a cynical, gritty, realist portrayal of the music industry. Uh, we see the band rise to fame and fortune, experience heavy tensions as this changes the band members' lifestyles dramatically, and deal with the shady and violent recording industry worlds. Uh, gangster violence over a contract and burnout uh, lead to the band's untimely demise. And uh, fans were not pleased, <laughs> and record sales <laughs> dipped, but critics gave it fair reviews. Huh. And it's turned into a cult classic. It's yes. interesting to find out that when it came out that that's what happened. It's like that movie, that thing you do, except they go through it very fast. Yeah. It wasn't until the last line of the film where I was like, okay, bonk, bonk, I get it. Because mm -hmm. it was something like the, the singer, who was just an amazing fucking tenor. <laughs> and, he, and it was neat, because I, you know, I grew up with Slade Records, but just to hear him talking mm -hmm. in that high, high-ass tenor, mm -hmm. <laughs> it was just like, whoa! <laughs> but I, what was the last line? It was something. It was his line. It was something like, "I'm already done with it" or something. Well, yeah, because he he's like, uh, the. I think we're all done here. Yeah, yeah. something like something. that. Just we've we've had it. I feel like the drummer is the best. Or, actor yeah, we've movie. all had enough. Yeah, that's. I think it. we've all. Had oh, because enough. the guy the guy says, yeah. "Oh, your your record exec has had enough," and he's like, "I think we've all had enough." And yeah, then walks yeah. out of the room. Yeah. Uh, this is an okay movie. What? Had too many slates. What songs, about though. your uh, <laughs> and the monkeys have trees or something? <laughs> <laughs> the monkeys can't see. If the pigs could fly, they'd fly, they fly away, away from me. me. <laughs> and the pigs could fly, fly uh, away from me. For rock movies that were made to promote a band, I think this has more substance than a lot of them. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. and that's what they were going for. It's like they didn't want to do like you know Beatles movies that were just kind of silly. Yeah. Uh... I am now remembering that this movie, this, this I think Blu-ray even, did not have subtitles, right? It was a real budget-ass. Correct. And what's funny and about that is that... couldn't understand most of the accents. What's funny about that is that when it was released to American they theaters... They were confused. No, the, the, 
they had subtitles on the screen good because of their yeah because they have those northern accents they do and um yeah so the the whole movie was subtitled in the american release but then on the dvd they didn't provide subtitles i feel like i would have gotten at least 15 to 20 percent more dialogue had there been subtitles (laughs) there were some times where it was just i didn't get that (laughs) and now what it meant is lost or or the other guy (laughs) luckily for me i had a co-worker actually a couple co-workers that had northern accents so i i was you did okay to, yeah yeah <laughs> i did i think i did okay through most of it but there were definitely some holes where i was just like i got nothing nothing from that <laughs> we've, we've watched a couple movies where it's like someone's particular accent or like their cadence of speech it just makes it so difficult usually it's southern movies yeah fuck i just can't get it well the odd job there were some hard things and even what we haven't released yet but our showcase of the ruling class Mm -hmm. and those accents were put in there on purpose to explain the ruling class and to you know talk about and attack the upper class but some of those accents were just rough too yeah but not as rough as this. What what made me For really me. sad is like titles. they had really some like ultra violent stuff on the Elvis wannabe dude. Yeah, poor guy. And then they just roll over and like basically you could have given the information first thing. Yeah. Like, but I mean, I guess he stole the contract, so it couldn't like not steal the contract or something. But at that point, they but, wanted him to give it back. Right, but he didn't have it. Right. But then they cut off his fucking toes with a shovel. Mm. Oh. Yeah. And they, I don't know if they killed Which, him, but um, they certainly a lot of A lot that. of that stuff, um, a lot of the, the anecdotes that they use are from true stories. Oh. Not that happened to Slade specifically, but that happened to other bands that they knew. They, in the music they threw in stories that they knew from other people. Wow. I like that. This does have commentary, and I remember listening to some of it. I don't remember anything about it to give you a special tidbit, except I think that the drummer was very sick Mm -hmm. when he filmed some of his scenes. (laughs) And it's just interesting that for all the acting, I think uh, the guitar player was the worst actor, and I think the drummer was the best actor. Yeah, I also didn't get, like, a lot of the motivations for for people. Like, his, I think it was the drummer basis one of them his girlfriend was just like i don't want to move i don't want to do anything um you know i don't want the comeuppance or whatever but they never really talked about why or like what was happening that that made that a choice for her like does they made her not included a lot which i guess a little bit but i say a lot she had like three scenes or something um it was just weird i didn't get it a lot of times the band is called the band, you know, whatever the band is. Was Earth, Wind, and Fire called Earth, Wind, and Fire? I think they were called the band. They were the called group. the band. The or group, the group yeah. that's right. But I don't know why they had to do Flame. I was like, what are you hiding behind if you release the soundtrack as, you they know, wanted, Slade? <laughs> they wanted to make sure that people understood that it wasn't like a, a true story about them. Yeah, like, and they, I get they it. want it because their band image is very different than this movie, mm. and so they were they were wanting to distance their real selves from it as much as possible, so that like it's understood this is this is a fictional critique of the music industry as it was in that 
moment in time, the way that like artists were being exploited and brutalized, and so do you think they're, they're I get of that. gangsters? And Their stuff. record sales slipped because people weren't like receptive to this message, or because like the music industry was like. This doesn't look very good for us. No, Fuck I you. No, it that... was the fans. The really? fans, yeah, their their primary fan base at the time was like teenagers that were looking for something that was more bubbly and like the monkeys and stuff. And so hmm. for them to do this really heavy, serious film, they were like, "What in the fuck is this?" Must... Also, their music style was different it the... was changing and i think yeah. the record before this wasn't very good either this is one of the bands that is one of the founding uh you know i was gonna say fathers but founding people of uh, glam rock they're one of the first glam rock bands of all hmm. and on any list that talks about glam rock you know that my mama we're all crazy now it's a glam rock classic <laughs> classic they were less androgynous than a lot of the glam rock bands. But... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chops that go all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I get, okay, I felt like I asked a stupid question, but I get why they were called Flame now, especially when you're saying that they were getting stories from all sorts of different bands. Yeah. Right. It would have been unfair to just be like, and Slade. <laughs> <laughs> this is our true story, the things that happened to us only. Uh, anything else? I don't know what my rating for this is going to be. I've seen it a few times, and for rock movies, I like it, so I guess I give it a seven. Yeah, I actually am okay with giving Yeah, I think I, I was kind of going over that, too, but I'm going to give it a seven. Yeah, thumbs up. Yay. Um, and thank you for that. And we're moving on to uh, the Ger our first German film, or second German film of the three. Yeah. Uh, we this is going little... through the movies of, what's her name? Why it's Margarita von Trotta. Boom. Yeah, she actually co-directs this this first movie, which I thought was interesting. Really? Yeah, yeah. With a, a this is my favorite of her three. A gentleman, Volker uh, Schlondorf. Uh, he did a free woman, the Tin Drum, and Der Kandidat. Um, Margaret uh, von Trotta did the two movies that I'm going to do today, as well as um, I know. The other one. <laughs> we will, you talk, I'll find it. <laughs> but it's also known for, for Rosa Luxemburg, Three Sisters. Uh, and the second, in, second, excuse me, the second awakening of Christina Clogg. Thank you. There Thank it is. Um, they, it's funny because a lot of these movies all have the same, same or similar themes to them. Um, and they're very good. This has three writers, which I thought was interesting because, well, I mean, uh, Heinrich Boyle did the, the story that this is based on, and then uh, the two directors both uh, did the screenplay for this. Um, and this stars uh, Angela Winkler, um, the left-handed woman, also from uh, the knife in the, knife in the head, uh, and was in the Tin Drum as well. Mm, um, tin Drum's classic. Uh, Mario Adolf, uh, he was in Bomber and Pagini, um, Mitgif, and what have they done with, the, with your daughters? Um, and last is Dieter Laser. Fucking sweet name. Uh, <laughs> Couldn't wait to get there. <laughs> it's one of the best names I've ever heard, I think. Dieter Laser. It's yes, perfect. fucking swell. <laughs> it was in the Glass Cell, uh, Die Leisen Frien, and another one that I'm not going to give a go at. Uh, all right, so here it is. 
Catherine hooks up with a hot, interesting guy at a party, and this one act unravels her life. That's because he's a terrorist, or some such thing. We don't get a whole lot of backstory on that, and the police are searching for him. Uh, he knows that they've been following him, but he stays one step ahead. Catherine's not so lucky, though, and is grilled by the police who destroy her apartment and her life. Then the newspaper starts writing mm -hmm. terrible things about her. Enter the media. Yeah, and in their push to, uh, to have salacious stories, they end up killing Catherine's mother. <laughs> Someone got their glasses caught in their hair, and it, it derailed the whole podcast. Derailed the whole podcast. We, we, I couldn't look. I couldn't look away. Uh, but that's that's where I left off with that one. Um, I was looking this up because they didn't talk about like where he was from or what what he'd done, but I guess the, his character was in, inspired by uh, the Biter Meinhof gang. I already knew that. Uh, well, I mean, that's definitely where it was. It felt like it was, but they give us nothing on him. Um, it's just no, but there's that a you tone, already know. and then there's the whole right. Yeah. Well, and it's 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 Germany at a very specific time in history, right? Yeah. It is, um, or, or I guess I should say West Germany. Anyway, oh shit, what? Oh, thank God! I thought I just erased my whole my, my whole thing. I was like, oh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? Uh, this is almost a perfect movie for me, and I was so pleasantly surprised because. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking when I, I, I wanted to go through her movies. They interested me. And uh, so we watched that one first, the mm -hmm. Clegg or whatever. And then this one get uh, had gotten the best rating. So I was like, eh. But there was something about it where I wasn't sure it could go either way. Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to be something that talked about, you know, revolutionary armed struggle and was, you know negative or whatever the studio made them make concessions or something but like i was so flipping pleasantly surprised by this especially her last line yeah i was just like boom gets a 10 and then i was like okay i can give it like a nine something it's not perfect but it was flipping brilliant i really enjoy how personal all of her movies are yeah mm -hmm. like they're just stories that are deeply told from a person's perspective or emotional space, um, which is just something we don't get from a lot of directors. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in all three of these, I think she's done an excellent job of, of pulling that, those bits out. Do you remember the last line? I don't. Oh, you don't? I, remember, I remember what she does at the end. Yeah, but they were like, I don't even remember. It was something where she had, I feel like she had to shoot someone. Well, I to. mean, well, he was reporting, it was horrible. <laughs> but then there was someone that was caught in the crossfire, someone else, and they were like, why'd you shoot that person? She was like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Credits. <laughs> and I was like, that's fucking right. This is some heavy shit. Yeah. They ruined her life. There's a, there's a few movies. There's one with Kirk Douglas that really talks about the role of the media. And when people describe this movie, they're like, oh, this is about the role of the media. And I think it's not just about that. It's, it's in there. Well, and it, 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 it's yeah. very hand in glove, like newspapers and, and police are like one unit working together. Yeah. Oh, my thing. God. Correct. I forgot about that. It was also interesting. I was reading some, some reviews of this and people were, were like, oh, it's a tabloid. And I didn't get that at all. Yeah. No. Like, Did they exist then? Maybe in Germany. Germany was ahead of its time in the first tabloids. <laughs> Maybe. Quit playing with your thing. It just it makes popping sounds every time you touch it. 
<laughs> what a thing. Are we messing with the equipment? Victory we love to fuck I with the equipment. You need to adjust it sometimes. Mm. Okay. I want to adjust it. Because I, I move to really get comfortable and then it needs to be moved. So we apologize. You can hear me. <laughs> For our audio quality. Goom, goom, goom. <laughs> yeah, that, that, the, the guy who kills her mom is, the, is right. the guy who she shoots. Yeah, and I was right there with her. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a serious subject, but I, I wasn't like, oh, no. Well, and he, <laughs> You're in the wrong. He's all trying to upsell her. Oh, we're going to make you famous. We're going to give you a, a talking, you know, way to tell your story. Yeah, look at what we did for you. <laughs> we've made, yeah, we've made you so fucking, like, you're just right on the precipice. Now is when we turn to your story and make it so important. And she's like, yep, let's tell my story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's good that you mentioned how intertwined the police are with all this. And I feel like the guy who plays the main cop, as horrible as he is, the actor does a very good job. Oh, yeah. Bringing that to life. Yeah, very competently acted throughout. I mean, the cops are fucking classic dick cops. Yeah. I'm still trying to remember. So, yeah, she sleeps with this guy. Mm -hmm. She met at a party. Yeah, they, so she didn't really actually know who he was, but she's, you know, seems to be down with the struggle. Yeah. Enough anyhow. And yeah. gives him gives him a key to right. her, her lover who's like a to priest. Go to that or a cardinal maybe. A He's like a big fucking out. big fucking deal. Uh but yeah, go, go hide out in his fucking summer house or something like that. There was a movie about I can't remember what actor that maybe it was Annette Benning. It was somebody who was going to be president. I think it's called The Contender. Mm. And then they, somebody unearthed a porn or something, and she never admitted whether it was her or not. It was this whole you know role of the media, and that was huge, and it kind of reminded me of this, too. Hmm. And it turns out she wasn't even in the porn, but she was just like, that. what happens in my bedroom or whatever is none of your business. That shouldn't have ever been part of the campaign, but she lost because of it. Hmm. The Contender. <laughs> and which is funny because that's like not a 70s movie it's like a 90s movie a lot of those movies aren't very good right some of them are we're a 70s podcast so we're biased <laughs> but again this was all kind of near perfect for me yeah I think there were some issues with lighting this was definitely the best this was the best of the three of the three yeah but it's not her the way she tells a story she just seems to want things to be kind of hidden hmm um, or maybe that's maybe that's part of things for her. maybe bad equipment I don't know but this one like you said it was co-directed that's funny maybe that's why it was more brightly lit right he's like are you kidding you can't fucking see anything <laughs> <laughs> you can't shoot in a dark room <laughs> yeah I can fuck you so um, no matter what we say if you haven't seen this uh, I would recommend seeing it I think it's a very high recommend for me yeah um, I'll give it an, I think I gave it a nine or an eight. Uh, yeah. See it. Yeah. Thumbs up. Any more comments? No. I don't feel like. I, I feel like the, my memory of this movie is a little fuzzy. Me too. But that's, that's a fun thing for me to discover. Uh, it's the fault of, of brains and my brain in particular, but I get to see it again and help <laughs> solidify. So that that's good for me. Um, and I would say that of the three we watched, this is my favorite. 
The one we watched, uh, reviewed on our last review a few weeks ago, was my second favorite. And then the one we're going to do, I feel like, was my least favorite, but still good. But maybe you'll change my mind when we get to that. I think we are moving on to um, Six, The Uncanny, 1977. That's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got two more. Bear with us. Bear with. Bear with. Bear with. <laughs> um, for all our Miranda fans looking for a... a hell yeah. <laughs> I just punched a vicar. <laughs> uh, the uncanny... God, I just thought of something unrelated, but it's funny. I'll, I'll tell you later. Remind me. Okay. <laughs> it's about my mom and that show, Outlander. Uh, the uncanny i'm sorry the uncanny 1975 uh several cats were annoyed during the filming of this <laughs> film during the making of this film they annoyed several cats okay so this girl's parents die and she goes to live with her crappy relatives and even crappier cousin she brings her cat and her aunt doesn't like it and her cousin is ticks that is ticked that the cat has good taste and won't bond with her shitty ass. I think the girl and cat win, and people better be nice to them from now on. <laughs> that is my favorite of the three stories that Vader's right-hand man tells to Ray Milland uh, to convince him that cats are omnipotent or evil. Let's go with magic. Don't cross cats. This is a Hammer film that was this... um. Uh, there were certain like studios that made certain types of films, and it was like mostly horror films. And they either oh, this was a hammer. Horror? This was a hammer horror, and they oh. they, they either had um, uh, uh, Christopher Lee or Darth Vader's right hand man, whose name I can't Tarkin. Tarkin, but the actor's no, name. No, I'm not. <laughs> Good luck. It's like Christopher Plummer. Or Chris, no, not Christopher Plummer. God, I'll come back with it, but it's just as memorable <laughs> as Christopher Lee, and now I can't think of it. Right. And Star Wars fans are going to murder me because they can't remember Darth Vader's right-hand man's name. Uh, okay. Um, Hammer film. And there aren't too many Hammer films on our list, but this one rules. The other stories are period pieces and fine, but I don't remember them. Maybe you two, points to you two, uh, can help. I know one is where a cat eats a corpse. A little. <laughs> Explain and discuss. Oh, also, Joan Greenwood plays Miss Malkin. Uh, and she's in... Um, oh, no. She's in... Uh, Peter Cushing is his name. There it is. But she's in Girl Struck Boy. And she's the main uh, woman in oh, Girl Struck Boy. Oh, she's Lettuce? She's the the mom. Yeah, oh, Lettuce. So she's, then she's Lettuce. Yeah. Correct. She's Lettuce. Good callback. <laughs> so uh, explain and discuss the uncanny. I'm sorry. My review was a little crappy. I did okay. No, it wasn't crappy. I get a pass. This was also kind of a budget movie. I mean, it's... What? <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's silly. Um, it's perfect for cat lovers, except cats were annoyed. Wait, you have one? You, you have got, one here? You got mad that they kept tossing cats in the scenes. Yeah. But <laughs> we watch a lot of movies where, you know, that one we recently watched, the Godzilla movie, where the cat was like spray painted or something. Oh, it was like dipped in mud. Dipped in mud. Well, Poor fucking yeah, kitty. The These cats were just lightly the tossed into scenes. But. Okay, so the two other scenes. Um, Thank you. Uh, one is the the guy from uh, what the fuck's his name? He's the the, the therapist from Michael Myers movies. Uh, oh, and God he, damn it! And he's playing an uppity uh, yeah. guy who kills his wife, 
so that uh, he can marry someone who looks exactly like her. Um, and they're actors, and she dies on set because they're making a fucking movie about torturing people, I guess. And so there's all these oh, scenes yeah, where they're torturing people. Uh, I can't think of his name still. Yeah, me He's either. He's in THX one one two. Yes. Uh, oh, well. And then the other one was... Uh, Donald Pleasance. Boom! There it is. Thank Ooh, you. That hurt. That one hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Literally hurt me. The other one was one that like has had a million like spin-off where people have made jokes about it but she she's like a rich old lady and she changes her will so that like she's leaving all of her money to her cats um and her her nephew or i think nephew who is like her only living relative is like he wants to be a playboy and yeah, just get and that money he's just like running around town enjoying being rich and, and she's like he's not getting my money that would be my second favorite story. They, they want her to take the will, to go grab wants the will. Wants her to take the will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wasn't she going to change it or something? She died? I can't remember. No, she she did change it. She changed it to where he gets nothing. To where he gets nothing. Ah! And they go to to get, deal with that, but then the cats kill everybody. Yes, they do. <laughs> well, she kills the the aunt or grandma or whatever. Yeah, suffocates her with her. And, and then That's the cats... Right. And then the cats kill her. And then eat the old lady. And guard the contract or something. <laughs> right? They're like totally yeah, yeah, yeah. blood all over it. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I get the eating because they weren't getting fed and they were pissed Right. Off. Yeah. Didn't they cut her the, the maid's head off, though? The maid is the one who is steal, trying to steal the contract for, for the nephew. The will, yeah. The contract. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, it was wild. I didn't this was it. on at work. Someone put this on at work, and I was like, I'm dying inside and judging myself that I haven't seen this movie. Because <laughs> this is right up my alley, and it seems like something we would have watched at Movie Madness. But yeah. I think it was not available for a while. And mm. now it just came out in Blu-ray. It looked great, and... I was happy to watch it. I think this movie's yeah. great. It was silly. It was fun. Uh, yeah, the witchy girl with her cat putting spells <gasps> on people. The pentagram. The <laughs> yeah, because that was something I looked up. You know, I'm, I'm you know barbacking, so I'm carrying trays of fucking cups back and forth, and I see this like girl drawing a pentagram, and there's cats everywhere. I'm like, this is the most perfect movie for me. <laughs> Why do I not watch this movie every day? <laughs> That's not as good as all that, but there is a pentagram and cats. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. And there's and a the little nice, bit of sweet the justice. The nice little girl is the one that's the witch. And yeah. she protects her cat after the, these people try to kill it. Mm-hmm. Didn't the cat have a dumb name? Was it like Mr. Uppity or someone? What's the cat's name? Oh, I'm not going to remember that. Oh. Damn it, you're the remember guy. Remember the cat's name with clarity. <laughs> <laughs> we should remember it. She said it enough. Oh, I know. She did. Running but it around was the like, property. you know, Mr. Proper. <laughs> Let's just call him Mr. Proper. Mr. Botris. Um, but my favorite part of that is that the other little girl sucks and she's just like a fucking asshole. She's just evil little and like, Yeah. <laughs> I didn't she, capture that in my recap? She draws that pentagram on no. the ground and she's like, don't step in there. It's dangerous. And she's like, uh, is it? And like steps in. It's like, eh, 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 eh. And she's like, ah, I'm stuck. She's like, 
Well, yeah. you did it to yourself. <laughs> Remember when I told you not to step in it, then you did it? It's now funny. you're going to die. I learned that from King Diamond Records in the 80s and was just like, oh, I know. Everyone knows you don't step outside the damn pentagram. <laughs> Inside the pentagram? Well, if you're in it, you don't step outside of it. It's like, <laughs> But yeah, don't, don't jump in it either. Yeah. Listen when the person who made the pentagram tells you things. <laughs> uh, I don't have anything more for this. I would like to just give it a thumbs up than actually give it a rating because who knows? I would say, uh, did I rate it? Yeah, I, yeah give I gave it, it 7.5. I gave it a thumbs up. 7.4. Ashes, what do you give this movie? Uh, 6.5, something like that. You liked it. I it did like fun. it. It's, it's, it's fun. It's then don't go to 5. Oh, 6.5. Six, 6.5, five. Six, five. yeah. Okay, I thought you were like 6 or 5. No, 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 no. Like, like 6.5. It's just, it's it's funny, it's silly, it's, uh, it's fine. Yes, and you get to take us through our last movie today, which is what? That's right. Hold on one second. I don't have it in front of me. It's like the beautification of... (laughs) It's Sisters, or the Balance of Happiness. Thank you. Uh, So this is, once again, uh, Margarita von Trotta. Um, She did the screenplay for this. Uh, A couple other people did did script work for it. Uh, uh, Juta Lempe uh, was in Sumergosta, Anna Marie and Julianne, and The Possessed. Um... This also stars uh, Gunrun, Gun, Gundrun, <laughs> Gabriel. Gunther. Uh, <laughs> Gunrun, Gabriel. Gundrun. Yeah, it's no, it's no Dick Laser or whatever. <laughs> yeah, if you spell it, Victory could probably get it for you. G U D R U N. Gudrun. Wait. G U D R U N. Wow. Yeah. Gudrun. Gudrun. <laughs> Gudrun. Yeah. Oh, there it is. I just had to, I had to German it a little bit. Sorry. Uh, they were in The Magic Mountain and Dr. F- uh, Faustus mm. and Umenti Ra. Our last person who I highlighted here is uh, Jessica Froth. Uh, and they were in Frugi is a Bastard. And, and you picked not- both of these films. and <laughs> I would have struggled more through these accents, but you... you you, you know, entered into this journey willingly. I know, I know. Uh, and I really enjoyed uh, all the three of these films. So, uh, okay, here we go. Uh, Maria is a caretaker of her family. Her sister sucks, and her mom throws around tra- trauma everywhere she goes. Uh, Maria holds down a good job and caretakes the office as well. She pays for her sister Anna to go to school, but it doesn't really hold her interest. What interests Anna is is blaming all of her personal failures on her sister. Uh, this crescendos with Anna killing herself and leaving the meanest note ever. I'm pretty sure she didn't actually mean to kill herself, but wanted her sister to find her in the act and feel terrible. Uh, Maria then looks uh, to recreate her fucked up situation with a friend from the office. Discuss. I was going to school while you read that to try to remember this damn movie. <laughs> but and I remembered the note and that it was very mean. Yeah. But that's about all that I remembered. But as you read it, I was like, well, shit, I bet this deserves another viewing, too. It's just, it's a little dull. Um, or, or You already it, said you liked it. There's not, there's not much action, I mean, in, okay. in, in it. Yeah. Um, so it, it's... It, it, the drama is the abuse. Yeah. Mm. And so there's, it, it's boy, funny because howdy, is there heaps of that? <laughs> everyone in <laughs> it's this like narcissistic mom, like borderline personality, sister, like just 
nightmare situation. Well, it's funny because I read a, uh, several different critiques, mm. and people were like, oh, she's like super controlling and like wants everything done this really specific way. And I, I got that, but not. They were all sort Ooh, of like the, one, in, the woman who takes care of her sister. Yeah, Maria. Um, they were oh. they were they were saying that like she was the cause of a lot of these things, and for me it was like no 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 no. Yeah, the film <laughs> tries to make that, but it doesn't land because that's not the situation at all. No, it's, it's like so this person clear. who's just trying to be organized in a situation where she doesn't have control, she doesn't like. Like that, her her being the things that she holds tightly to control over is the only things that she has any control over. Like everything else in her life, like she's just she's being abusively manipulated. Right, she's given all the responsibility and none of the like account, like uh, ability to adjust her her life or or whatever. The the only the 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 piece that makes sense to me from people's perspective on this is with the second girl, her her office mate, mm-hmm. um, who she is really, she's trying to control and like convert her to a, to be her sister again, and I think it's really it it it's drawing in center her trauma and the way that she's dealing with it, right? Like she's learned, okay, I can, I can do these things. I can take care of someone. I need that purpose um, because this is how I, I feel centered and, and, and whatnot. Um, and, and the gal calls her out on it. It's like, I'm not going to be your fucking sister. Like I, I really appreciated you being cool and like bringing me in and giving me a place to live and paying for me to go to school. But like, I'm going to live my life. And if that is a problem, I don't need these other things from you. Um, but it was a just once again, like a, a deeply emotional film um, that centered around these three. Mom, I, I guess I should add in mom because I think it's funny because a lot of the, most of the reviews I read didn't have mom in it. Like, but she's such a pivotal character for me because she is like, who's Maria? Maria's the main lady. She's okay. the the protagonist, if you will. So is it Anne the mom? No, there's no. They're sisters. Yeah, Anne's a sister. So who the hell's the mom? Not to piece back together. Yeah. Apologies. Uh, <laughs> but mom is just like so like she asks at one point i don't know if you guys remember though she's like was there a note yeah and she's like nope because the note is terrible and she knows her mom who's already blaming her for her sister's death yeah would just like use that like a knife yeah and she's like oh no 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 i'm not gonna give you that fuck that (laughs) did you read the imdb review of this Mm mm-hmm it's just funny. At, at, at the end, it just says, can this or any relationship work out for this talented woman whose past seems to choke her soul? Who wrote that? <laughs> my past is choking my soul. It's just choking the soul. English major. But I mean, I think a lot of these, the, this movie is, you know, dealing with stuff. Not, It's not ethereal, but I mean, this review does not help me to piece together you guys are helping but i wanted a little more and this review did not help it's funny because i watched the siskel and ebert review of this oh what did they think because uh, it gets a seven two one of them 
Ebert really liked it. Siskel did not. Um, <laughs> I'm Siskel. You're always Siskel. I know. Uh, <laughs> but he was. It's funny because they both thought the same things about the movie. Just Siskel didn't like it. But he was saying that there was. He's like, it didn't go anywhere, and it didn't answer its own question, um, which he no, it doesn't have to. Well, that's what I thought too. It's like life isn't about getting all your your questions answered. Sometimes, but we're just... film critics. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> but shit just happens sometimes. And seventies yeah. movies are such a slice of life. Um, it just didn't make sense to me to get over analytical about. Oh, did it like tie itself in a nice little bow for me? No, it didn't. But it's a a, a well acted, deeply emotional film that talks about. It explicitly talks about trauma and um, reaction mean, people, to trauma. Yeah, people in those situations don't typically get any kind of justice. So mm. if you're looking for like a a moral wrap up in a realist film, like you're not gonna get it. Mm. <laughs> That's where I landed too. I really liked it. Uh, I think I like it too. If I, I was mean, rating it, I think this one gets a seven five, maybe eight. Yeah, I give it a thumbs up. I don't know where I'm going to rate it. I I want to I uh, officially want to be like uh, pending. I need want to see this movie again. <laughs> but just for right now, I it gets a seven two, and I would I would mirror that, and maybe probably a little bit higher because usually IMDb has shitty people who review. But maybe if you're reviewing foreign films, there's certain barometers when you look at films, you know a lot of douches wouldn't necessarily even approach this movie to give it a bad review. Right. But we watch a lot of Star Trek and there's a lot of new Star Trek out and a lot of people are like, don't like that, you know, it's um, getting better on representation. So they'll be like, oh, this is woke garbage and it gets a <laughs> terrible review. Or if something, you know, is, you know, portrays women really well or something, it'll get a bad review from you know, whatever, Proud Boys, you know? And so you have to, even like a female comedian who just does a comedy special that's just as good as the, the guy's comedy special, if not better, but I have to give it a one higher rating. Right, because Be there's so many Because there's so many people, movie. but this one is probably, and it was making me think when you were talking about Siskel and Ebert and just maybe any big city uh, that, you know, it's obvious they would see any foreign film that came out right. for film critics. They were like always, in, and there were a lot of art house theaters in Chicago, and there are in this town too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just interesting. I, we watch a lot of just old Siskel and Ebert expert or, um, uh, episodes, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I dig for them a lot. us. Uh, and I don't, I don't agree with, with Siskel that I didn't like it, but um, I think it's funny that he didn't like it. He just gets his panties in a bunch a lot it's, it does it's fun <laughs> I, I i do have a, a i think it would be funny to see like a group of proud boys like going in to see this movie they're like wait it's in german it's just ladies talking for two hours no <laughs> sorry part of your punishment for being a piece of shit besides constant beatings is having to watch these uh, German movies from a woman's perspective I'm so sorry they're just talking would you like more beatings yes, <laughs> yes. we'll take the beatings <laughs> you, you get both and now you have to watch it twice 
I did. They they made the comment <laughs> that it, it was worth. I don't know if they mentioned these three specifically, or they just said the last three movies that she made. Yeah, but I think I, this is the three that she made in a row. There might have been a fourth one in the in the middle there. Well, there's a bunch of eighties. It's just this is all we get, and there's some nicely rated ones in the eighties. The next one, Marianne and Jul- Julianne, is nineteen eighty one. I would like to watch that. But they were saying that, or, or Ebert was saying that, like. He almost I think these like, are known as a trilogy, but I don't think they're together in any way as far as plot. I couldn't really see a, a, a binding thread either other than, like, strong female characters talking about, like, emotion or whatnot. Yep. But I do think it's interesting to think of them as a trilogy and to think of them as, like, a, a conversation about different things and agency and, you know, dealing with trauma, being strong in situations and... um. Because it definitely, everyone's in a very different situation when they're coming in. Even though that some of the, some of the, the themes are similar, but I don't know. I feel our listeners stop talking about German movies. <laughs> we're gonna be an all German podcast from now on, and I'm we're gonna I'm gonna speak in German. I'm gonna be the worst of the three as far as my dialect. And <laughs> oh, you're gonna be great. It's just funny, uh, the, the second awakens, awakening of Krista Clogs gets a 6-7. That gets the lowest of the three. And that was my, I like that one. That's my second favorite one. Yeah. I like all three, but that was the one that we watched first and was the most dimly lit. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> Terribly lit. Yeah, I wanted to, like... I was fine with it because you you hated it so much that... It was, was like, like, it was so badly lit that people's faces just look like fucking goblins yeah <laughs> pretty like, metal just dark holes <laughs> and he's yeah. like washed out it just Weird. makes me wonder like contrasted faces was that like specifically done on purpose was it supposed to be these like opaque like i'll find a documentary and i'll bring it over and yeah. we'll watch it because i mean and if they don't address it there's gonna be hell to pay it's, it's an interesting choice for a visual <laughs> medium to give people nothing um, but I liked that 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 movie had some of my favorite uh, topics and and conversation and and whatnot of these three. Are you done? <laughs> One of three of us is checked out. That's the sign. When the victory falls asleep, it's a sign that we're done, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Do you want to do a housekeeping yeah. while I get a sip of coffee? Because I'm falling asleep. I'll too. run through it. Uh, for our folks <laughs> Y'all who are great. weren't talking to us on Twitter, well, don't worry about it. We're basically have abandoned that place. Um, trying to catch up on the other two socials. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching A Decade Under the Influence. Uh, you can also find us on Mastodon now uh, by, by looking up A Decade Under the Influence or DUI. Um, there is, we're just, just getting that one started, although it's, it's also a little bit slow going. Uh, but yeah, please uh, give us a written review cats or give us some stars or something like that. Tell us your cat stories. Tell us your cat stories. Specifically. Send us 70s movie posters. Oh, absolutely that. Uh, definitely cat stories if they involve magic. I want to know those. We got one comment. I just dropped our Dawn of the Dead. I'm that behind. <laughs> I just dropped our Dawn of the Dead, and someone commented. It was just like, great horror movie. Good job, or something like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
And if you write a shitty comment, we'll put you on blast here for some reason. Thank you so much for coming. I loved it. But it was just, it, there wasn't a lot of substance for me. But thank you for the support. We're terrible. Or I'm terrible. Y'all are great. No, we're all terrible. Hey, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you again next time. Bye. That was perfect.